0: Janine, this is KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is best-selling author, Brad Meltzer, and he's gonna talk about his latest books. Very excited to have you on the show.
1: Uh, good to be here, thank you.
0: You were on my show a while ago, and I love the whole you know, theme of your books, very educational. How did you end up becoming an author in the first place? Yeah,
1: you know, I went to um, well, let, let's start with here's the real, I think, the real path is okay. I was in nine my ninth grade English teacher was a woman named Sheila Spicer. And in ninth grade, she changed my life with three words. She said to me, You can write. And I was like, Well, everyone can write. And she said, No, no, you know what you're doing. And I had she tried to put me in the honors class. I had some sort of conflict. So she mm-hmm. said, Here's what I'm gonna do. You're gonna sit in the corner for the entire year. Ignore every homework assignment I give, and you're going to do the honors work instead. And what she was really saying was, you're going to thank me later. And sure enough, a a decade later, I went back to her classroom, knocked on the door. And she said, can I help you? I said, my name is Brad Meltzer. I wrote this book, and it's for you. And she started crying. And I I I said, why are you crying? She said, you know, I was going to... Retire this year because I didn't think I was having an impact. And I said, "You have thirty students. We have one teacher, and oh so that's really my start." Was was thanks to Miss Spicer.
0: You know, I I have I have a Miss Spicer. I had a Miss Katie from a school I went to in Connecticut, and she, everyone
1: has a Miss Spicer,
0: right? They they do. I mean, it's the person that says there is no wrong wrong answer. I know you can. And, it's, it. a per-
1: and it's the person that says the first person who tells you you're good at something, right? Everyone, everyone listening right now has someone who gave them their first job, had faith in them, said, you're good at this, that person you owe forever. And, you know, it wasn't how I got, that's how I got started liking writing. It wasn't how I got my first book published, but I feel like it's the true origin of where it began for me.
0: I love that. So tell me, what did you do, you know, after college, what was your first job?
1: Yeah. So, and that's, this is how I got started really, really being, uh, you know, working as a writer is I came out of college at the university of Michigan with a college debt to pay off. And a guy in Boston, man named Eli Siegel said to me, I'm going to be your mentor. Don't go to law school. Don't go to grad school. Come work for me. I'll be your mentor. I'm going to take you under my wing. I'm going to teach you everything. And he said, if you love it, you'll stay. And if you hate it, you leave with some money in your pocket. And I thought that's a good deal. Yes. So I moved, I moved all my stuff to Boston. I moved everything to Boston. And the week I got to Boston, he left the job.
0: <gasps> what?
1: And I thought, I thought, oh my God, I've wrecked my life. I thought I wrecked my life. I said, this is, this is I wrecked my life. Of course. And sure enough, um, I did what all of us would do in situations where we think we wrecked our lives, what every one of us would do in a moment where you think you wrecked your life. I said, I'm going to write a novel and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea how to do it. I just thought everyone has one novel in them. I'm going to take my shot. My first novel quickly got me 24 rejection letters. There were only 20 publishers at the time and I got 24 rejection letters, which meant some people were writing me twice to make sure I got the point.
0: Exactly.
1: But I said, if they don't like that book, I'm going to write another. And if they don't like that book, I'm going to write another. And the week after I got my 23rd and 24th rejection letter was the, uh, week I started what became my first published novel, which was a book called the 10th justice. And and I got lucky. It took one person to say yes to publish it. And, uh, my job was to find that person,
0: but you were determined. You did not let rejection hold you back.
1: Oh, listen, uh, as I said, 24 rejection letters, only 20 publishers, right? I mean that <laughs> I was rejected and rejected and rejected. But I was young and I was stubborn. And I said, if they don't like it, I'm gonna keep going. And they don't like that one, I'm gonna keep going. And I, you know, and I, I I do believe, you know, I look back now and I don't look back on it and say, Well, I was right and they were wrong, and ha on them. Sure. You know, when I when I look back on the experience, I realize life is completely subjective. Yes. And your job, whatever it is you choose to do, whether you host a radio show, whether you write novels, whatever, lawyer, a doctor, stay-at-home mom, whatever you choose to do, don't let anyone tell you no. Don't let anyone tell you no.
0: Yeah. I also feel like sometimes rejection does you a favor because it makes you work even harder or makes you pivot in a different direction.
1: Oh, I I actually think uh, rejection letters are vital. They are vital because if I would have sold my first book, I would have been such an unappreciative jerk um, I would have thought it was easy. I would have not never worked this hard, but I wanted it so badly. It just I doubled down. And in fact, here's my secret: is you know we all have our rituals, and one of my rituals, uh, the twenty, so twenty four rejection letters went out of joke. The first twenty two were all rejections. Twenty three and twenty four, I thought were going to be acceptance letters. Uh, my publisher said, my agent said to me, those two publishers really like the book, and I think they're going to bid and give you an offer. I, in fact, went to New York. I met with them. We sat down. And I, she said to me, wait by your phone. This is pre-cell phones. She okay. said, wait by your phone. I'm going to call you with their offers. I thought, great. I was in college debt, law school debt at that point. Cause I had started law school. Okay. And I'm waiting to pick up the phone and I pick up the phone waiting for her to tell me how the great news. And she said to me, sorry, kiddo. <gasps> and my heart sank. Oh. And here, here's my real secret is every day I sit down to write every day. I recreate that moment in my head. The kind of phone I was holding, it was one of those clear plastic see-through ones where you could see the wires inside because that seemed high tech at the time. Okay. Uh the the Formica desk on my left and the swivel lamp that every college kid has. The bed and the box spring on my right, no headboard, because that's we, you know, that was the place we were.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, over a little balcony, there was a parking lot and a fire station with three doors. And I count those doors. And then I say those words to myself, sorry, kiddo. Yeah. And I never, ever want to think I made it. I never, ever want to be unappreciative of what I have. I never, ever want to be anything, but as hungry as I was when I was 24 years old. And for 20 plus years now, every single day I sit down to write, sorry, kiddo, sorry, kiddo, sorry, kiddo. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that rejection is I, I need that hunger.
0: Yes. Now let's talk about your, your latest work, because not only have you written fiction, nonfiction, you host PBS shows. Is that right?
1: Um, I, our, our, I host shows on the history. I've hosted shows on the history channel on PBS. We have a cartoon show based on our kids' books. Amazing. So I'm just, I I'm one of the characters. There's a character named Brad, who's the most handsome cartoon character you've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Do you voice the character?
1: I do not know that far, but it it looks just like me, but it, but it is voiced by an adorable little boy who they don't need uh, an old man to, (laughs) you know, voice a a, a six year old boy.
0: I love it. So funny. And let's talk about your latest uh, work because I was so moved by this one, a new day. How did this come about?
1: You know, writers, we all keep, um, notepads all around the house to be pretentious and think that lightning's going to strike and genius will hit and you want to be ready for the genius when it arrives. And it never works like that. No. Creativity is not magic. Creativity is hard work. And I, one day, two years ago, I never in my whole life, I, I actually dreamt the premise of this book. I, I woke up from a dream and I said, Sunday quit just like that. The book was called A New Day, and and Sunday the day quit, and the other days of the week were going to hold tryouts for a new day. And my wife, who's much smarter than I am, said, write that down. And that was where the book was born.
0: I love it. But it's about the power of gratitude and kindness.
1: Yeah, so when when Sunday quits, the the tryouts begin, and they say let's have fun day. Every day will be fun, and they're like, no. And they're like, let's have run day, and everyone will run real fast. I said no. They said, how about how about bun day, and everyone will wear Princess Leia buns, and they're like, no. And then the dogs want dog day, and the cats want cat day, and it gets crazier and crazier until a little girl comes with a little potted plant, and Sunday says, what What's that? You grow a tree day, plant a rutabaga day. What What is this? And she says, no, I just wanted to say thank you, the girl says. Um, and I want you to have a nice day. And in that moment, Sunday is undone. And she realizes in that moment, the entire point of this book, which is that with a little kindness in it, every day can be a new day. And that's what I want for my kids, especially right now where the world is, yes.
0: um, is we
1: all need a new day.
0: We do. We do. It's a, it, that's why it really moved me because I was thinking here we are in this pandemic and there's never been a more important time, essential time to be kind and have gratitude.
1: My God. Right. I mean, you know, it's the, if the, if the pandemic has not taught us anything, I mean, I think it shrinks all our circles, but I hope if you're doing it correctly, it at least reminds you what's important and all the stuff we chased for all those years, um, And I can tell you selfishly for me, what I want for my kids is I want my daughter and I want my sons to know that when it's all going bad, even if it goes bad, your happiness is in your control. Happiness is a choice. And you choose what kind of day you're going to have, whether your day is good or bad. It's still your day. So you might as well, you can either be miserable. And listen, there's days when bad things happen. I buried both my parents. Mm -hmm. You can have bad days, but I can sit around and be miserable or just realize, you know what? Put a little more thankfulness in the universe. Go say thank you. Show a little more kindness and you will suddenly have a new day.
0: Yes. You know, it's interesting you say all this because I, uh, I'm really passionate about positive psychology and there's a researcher, Sonia Lubomirsky, and she did this research on um, happiness and happiness is affected by three things, two of which you can't control. The first genetics, can't control that. The second is life circumstances. Here we are, couldn't control a pandemic. But the third are your choices, what your behaviors, how you choose to deal with something, which is exactly what you said.
1: Yeah, how we deal with something. I mean, and yes, those first two are big. You know, I would say those are mountains that are hard to climb. Right. Uh, You know, a friend of mine told me this great one yesterday. He said, I think it's like a Stoics kind of cheat sheet, but he said, when you're having a bad time, you're miserable about something, start looking at things and say, this is the last time. Mm. Like, you know, you're walking your dog and you got to pick up and scoop up after the dog and you're like, oh, like I need this when it's cold outside and say it's the last time I'm ever going to do it and watch what happens. It's just a crazy, it's a crazy thought experiment, but, but it's amazing how much you can instantly change your day.
0: Yes, definitely. So let's dive into your other new book that's coming out.
1: Yeah, I, so I do a line of kids' books. Uh, years ago, I, I was tired of looking, my kids looking at reality TV show stars and people who are famous would being famous and thinking that's a hero. I wanted to give my kids better heroes to look up to, heroes of, of character and of kindness, of compassion. And we started a line of children's books called The Ordinary People Change the World Books. We started with I'm Amelia Earhart and I am Abraham Lincoln. We did I am Rosa Parks and I am Albert Einstein. I am Jackie Robinson for my son who loves sports. My daughter, I, we did I Am Lucille Ball because mm-hmm. I wanted to have a female entertainment hero who wasn't just famous for being thin and pretty. Yes. That Lucy stood for the idea, it's okay to be different. And it's beautiful to be different. We don't celebrate it as much today, but we should. Right. And we did I Am Helen Keller, where when she goes blind, we made the pages of the book black. Mm-hmm. And we put real braille into the book. And it says, "Feel these dots. This is my name. My name's Helen. What's your name? And I love doing these books. An amazing thing happened in the election of 2016, four years ago, as Hillary and Donald Trump were arguing on TV every night, two of our books started selling better than any others. And they were, I am Martin Luther King Jr. and yes. I am George Washington. And it wasn't a Democrat or Republican thing. It was that parents and grandparents on both sides were tired of turning on the TV and seeing politicians when what they wanted to show their kids were leaders. Yes. And we all know there's a huge difference between a politician and a leader. You bet. Uh, and so I, what I love is that now people use our books to fight back against the cynicism. They build libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews. And we've done, I am Walt Disney and I am Jane Goodall for their love of animals. Um, we've done Sacagawea and Gandhi. We, did, we just did, I am Anne Frank and I am Benjamin Franklin. And the newest one Oprah, is, uh, <laughs> Oprah's coming. Oprah comes in September. That's, okay. that's one of the ones that's coming up. But we're doing- um, I Am Frida Kahlo is the one that just came out, and I Am Frida Kahlo is the newest in the Ordinary People Change the World series.
0: This is outstanding because, I mean, as an adult, I really enjoy these books.
1: Uh, Listen, we sell them to adults because we all need a little bit of inspiration. Frida Kahlo, I didn't know anything really about her. I knew she had the unibrow. I knew she was played by Salma Hayek in the in the movie, right. I knew she was a painter, but I'm like, okay, big deal, she's a painter. How much can you change the world being a painter?
0: Oh, and yes. fool,
1: foolish me. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I was rushing too fast and not looking at the details. And Frida Kahlo, when she was a little girl, had polio. So one of her legs was shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. And kids made fun of her for the way she walked. They called her peg leg. Oh. And they, she started wearing long skirts to cover her legs, multiple socks to even them out. She eventually gets into a horrible bus accident um, and a horrible crash that leaves her motionless in a bed and in a full body cast. She can't sit up, Awful. but she says, I, she says, I want, I want to paint. Give me some paintbrushes. And she starts painting. And again, she can't sit up. So they have a special easel made above her. They, they put a mirror above her because the only thing she can really see is herself. Yeah. And she starts painting self-portraits. But what I love about Frida Kahlo is she's unapologetically herself. People make fun of her, how she looks. They make fun of where she's from. They make fun of how she's dresses and she never lets it affect her. Mm. And in fact, on the last page of, of the book, we actually have her hold up a mirror, little Frida Kahlo. And these are kids books. These are, you know, uh, illustrated kids books for little kids. And she holds up a mirror and it says, a little plastic mirror is in the back of the book. And it yes. says, what do you see here? Because I see a work of art. And when your child looks in that mirror, it says, I am free to Kahlo. I know the most important and most beautiful thing in the world is you, just as you are. And that's the gift I want to give my daughter. I love not, not the love of selfies, but self-love.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, I saw this quote one time that you're the greatest project you'll ever work on. Take your time.
1: Huh, that's great.
0: It's true. I love
1: that. I'm going to steal that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Oh no, but that is true. We are all works of art. And you know, what we say in the book is, you know, it says life, life is like a work of art. It's never what it starts out as what it comes out as. And it's messy and it's amazing and it's terrible. And it's, you know, all those things. It doesn't have to be all, you know, we, I feel like in the world today, we want to see everything as black or white, you know, it's got to be good or bad. And, and life is not just one thing. It is, it, we are all of us amazing and terrible we are selfish and we are generous we are incredible all of us in the same month in the same week sometimes in the same few minutes depending on when you catch us now that doesn't make you a bad person it just makes you human
0: sure do does this part of your life the children's book arena does that give you the most joy or do you get joy from every bit of creative you know endeavor you pursue uh,
1: you know, I can't, everything brings me joy and I can't wait to bat, you know, jump out of bed and everything. Life is perfect. Writing is hard.
0: It's yeah. really hard. You know, it's, it's not
1: easy. Uh, a writer said to me when I was struggling with it years ago, said if it was easy, everyone would do it. True. Um, and I, I like the rewards of it. I like the process of it. I, it makes, I escape. It is definitely an escape for me. When I, when I get lost and I start writing whatever I'm working on, whatever stuff I'm worried about in my life, I will say that does disappear. It doesn't go away. Sure. But I I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely something that just disappears for me. You get that mental vacation. I, I, and that's where I, that's the special place I go to. That's what I love.
0: Yeah. Let's give a shout out to your illustrator, Christopher.
1: Chris Eliopoulos on the kids books on Frida Kahlo and Dan Santat on a new day are, those are our two secret weapons. Um, love them. I, um, I love their work. Um, So, yeah. Um,
0: Outstanding. They really bring it to life. I mean, that's when, like I said, as an adult, I want to read your books. You know, when you're on my show previously, I'm like, I never learned about this person. I want to dive in. It's very inviting.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: You can go to bradmelzer.com or you can go to world.com, But if you put the IM books or Brad Meltzer or anything, you'll see us come up. You can see the kids books, the adult books, the nonfiction, the thrillers, the TV shows, all the stuff is all there. And it's Meltzer spelled like seltzer that you drink, but with an M like Mary.
0: One last question. Any advice for someone who's a writer, they're struggling, we're in this pandemic.
1: Um, you know, I really firmly believe, uh, um, I, I said a little bit before, life is subjective and you gotta go on. Don't let anyone tell you no. But I think for someone struggling in this pandemic, um, just know you're not alone. You're not alone. And um I, I really do hope you hear. I think a lot of people are really lonely right now. And I think a lot of people need to know and, and need a reminder that you are amazing. Um, you may not feel like it today but none of us are who we are in our worst days and you got to go try and find the better ones. I, you know, I bury both my parents and those were really, really hard moments for me. Um, and the roller coaster goes up again and the roller coaster goes down again, but you got to give it time to go up again too. Um, Cause that's just how life is.
0: Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in the show, Brad. I've really enjoyed this.
1: Thanks so much. What a treat.